the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. News. WTPN, Pinellas Park. So the reason Jesus said make no oath at all wasn't to forbid all oath-taking, but to destroy the artificial, stupid, illogical, sinful system of the Pharisees whereby they determined that it was no big deal to lie and they determined sometimes they could tell the truth but not that often. If as believers we seek to be like Christ, how can we even think about lying? Sadly, like the Pharisees, we easily fall into the trap of appearances. Let's be careful when it comes to honesty that it comes before profit or comfort or image and that we don't just look honest. Jesus had a lot to say about that in the Sermon on the Mount and at other times as well. We'll find out more today on Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve Kreloff concludes this message about oaths and truth-telling from the Sermon on the Mount. We're glad you could be here today. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. In Matthew 5.34, Jesus said, I say to you, make no oath at all. Well, did he mean that vows are forbidden? Well, only if you lift that statement out of its biblical context and look at it in isolation. If we consider the context, we discover that it wasn't the oath itself that Jesus condemned. It was the attitude we have towards the truth. Here's Pastor Steve to elaborate. In the New Testament, the great apostle Paul actually on a number of of occasions made a type of oath to God. Do you realize that? And, And he did this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. For example, Romans chapter 1 verse 9 Paul says, for God whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his son is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. When he says God is my witness, he's calling upon God in a form of oath to witness the fact that he's telling the truth. He said the same thing in, interestingly enough, not only Romans 1, 9, but Romans 9, 1, where he said, I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit is my witness. I call upon the Holy Spirit in my spirit to testify that I'm telling the truth. That, that's, that's a form of an oath. He did the same thing in 2 Corinthians one twenty three, where he said, but I call God as witness to my soul that to spare you, I did not come again to Corinth. He said, I, I want you to know as God is my witness why I didn't come to Corinth. So all of this simply means that uh, you can't deny, you can't say Jesus is teaching no oaths at all when you have godly men, especially Paul writing under the inspiration by the Holy Spirit, who's taking an oath. But a third reason why we know that Jesus was not forbidding all oaths, and you may find this fascinating and may not know this, is that Jesus himself allowed himself to be put under an oath. Did you know that? that Jesus actually allowed himself to be put under an oath. You see this in Matthew 26. I'd like you to look at that. Matthew 26, starting at verse 62, it's the time where he had been arrested and was before Caiaphas, the high priest, and the Jewish leaders, and he would not speak. He was silent. But see what happens. Verse 62, 
the high priest stood up and said to him, Do you not answer? What is it that these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silence. Now, up to this point, the Lord was not speaking. But watch this. And the high priest said to him, I adjure you. I adjure you or I charge you under oath is the thought. I charge you under oath by the living God that you tell us whether you are the Christ, the Son of God. Now, if Jesus was against all oath-taking, he would still be quiet. But in response to this charge by the high priest to put himself under oath, Jesus responded. He said in verse 64, Jesus said to him, and this is all under oath now, because that's what the response is. You have said it yourself. Nevertheless, I tell you that hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. The point is this, when Caiaphas spoke, he put Jesus, if, he, if Jesus responded, he was putting him under an oath, and Jesus did respond. He put himself under oath. In fact, Jesus often used a, a form of oath taking every time he introduced the statement with the words truly or truly, truly, or you may have it in your Bibles, verily or verily, verily. What that is, it's a form of oath taking. Now, we know that everything that Jesus said was truth. But the words truly, truly were his way of emphasizing that what he was about to say was of extreme importance. In other words, they added seriousness and a guarantee of reliability. That's a form of oath. So if Jesus wasn't, by his statement in Matthew 5, condemning all oath-taking, then what exactly did he mean when he said, make no oath at all? Context. Always context. What is the context here? The context reveals that what he was doing was condemning the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, their silly oath-taking schemes in using non-binding oaths to get away with lying. In other words, he was forbidding the kind of oaths taken and used by the Pharisees and their followers. Commentator William Hendrickson explains exactly the sin of oath-taking that Jesus was addressing. He writes, what we have here is the condemnation of the flippant, profane, uncalled for, and often hypocritical oath used in order to make an impression or to spice daily conversation. And that's how they were talking. Everybody talked like that back then. I swear by the temple that I'm telling you, I swear by... And they, instead of it being a solemn thing, it was a very flippant, casual thing, as well as hypocritical because it allowed them to lie. So we understand that when Jesus said, make no oath at all, he was saying, don't do what the Pharisees do. Standards of righteousness are much higher than this. And we know that's precisely what Christ was condemning because what he, what he went on to do was speak about the silly, nonsensical oaths that they were taking. So when he said, make no oath at all, he was saying, make no oath at all like them. And he goes on to say how they did it all under the guise of not profaning God's name. They were lying through their teeth. And he says it, he exposes them in verse 34 and following. But I say to you, Make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Uh, in, in these verses, Jesus put his finger on the Pharisees' little silly oath-taking schemes, these, these hair-splitting formulas, and he revealed the folly and the lack of logic behind them. What he does is mention some of these, of these non-binding oaths that the rabbis came up with in order to show them that they cannot escape from telling the truth because God is involved, even if they don't mention his name, God is involved in every one of these sayings. 
even if his name is not specifically mentioned. So in verse 34, he mentions about, about that scheme that said, you can swear by heaven, but you don't have to tell the truth. And he tells them that an oath that invokes heaven must be kept. Why? Because heaven, and he said, it's God's throne. It's God's throne. It's not isolated from God. Heaven is God's throne. And in verse 35, he says that to swear by the earth is binding because the earth is God's footstool. God's footstool. He's using uh, uh, what we call an anthropomorphism here and a a language that, that gives God human features just to communicate a point. Likewise, to swear by Jerusalem and then lie is wrong, he says, because Jerusalem is the city of God. It's the city of the great king. You can't get away from it. And it's interesting, in verse 36, he tells them that they can't even swear by their heads because it is God's creation and he controls it, even the very color of their hair. Now, obviously, this was in the days before people dyed their their hair, but uh, you get the point that God is sovereign over that. So the reason Jesus said make no oath at all wasn't to forbid all oath-taking, but to destroy the artificial, stupid, illogical, sinful system of the Pharisees whereby they determined that it was no big deal to lie and they determined sometimes they could tell the truth, but not that often. What he was saying was this, is that, is that all oaths are binding. They're all binding, regardless of whether God's name is mentioned or not, because you can't leave God out of anything. That's the point. God is sovereign over all. He's the sovereign creator, and as such, he is over all of his creation. So whether you mention God's name or not, we are all accountable to him. Every time we open our mouths, we are always to tell the truth. Now, folks, we don't want to be naive about this. And we don't want to look at this and say, you know what? I'm sure glad I didn't live in that day because uh, uh, I don't do that kind of stuff now. That's for them and it's outdated and it's not relevant for me. We may not use oaths freely like the, like the Pharisees did and use it to justify lying, but in principle, what they did is something we are very guilty of, many of us. They divided life into little compartments. That's what they really did. They said God is in, is, is in this particular area of life, but he's not in this area of life. So I can say uh, a, a binding oath here, because that's where God is, but, but I'm not going to say it here because that's where God is not. And, and it's ridiculous. That's what they did. They, in essence, they said, well, I have to be ethical here because God's involved in this, but I don't have to be ethical over here. In, in other words, they compartmentalize life into the sacred and the secular. And that's what, that's what many people do. Christians do that. That's why in, in the years of my ministry, I've had to try to encourage certain men who felt like they uh, had to be in full-time ministry. And I've said to them, when you go to work in the morning, you are in full-time ministry, whether they call it that or not. You are in full-time ministry. There is no distinction in God's sight between the secular and the sacred. Everything is sacred to us. You can't remove God from any area of life. He's totally sovereign over all. See, true disciples are committed to obeying Christ in all the areas of life. They, they, They don't have little compartments where it's okay to sin. They don't include him in their church life, but leave him out of their business world. They don't use one kind of sanctified speech on Sundays, but then curse the rest of the week at work. That's not the way true disciples operate. They don't use one set of ethics in dealing with with fellow church members, but another at the office. Genuine citizens of the kingdom recognize that Jesus is Lord and master over every area of life. 
And that certainly, when it comes to honesty, it means we endeavor to keep our word all the time in all circumstances. We don't pick and choose when we're going to be honest. And that's why Jesus concludes his teaching about oaths by telling us that citizens of his kingdom are to be marked by absolute integrity and truthfulness. Look at verse 37. This is an absolutely brilliant statement. You see the genius of the Lord, of course. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. What an absolute brilliant statement, as I said, because with these words, Jesus cut through everything. And in just a few words, he summed up the main teaching of the Old Testament on oaths. He just cut through it all. This is what, this is what it's about. The reason God promoted oath-telling in the first place was to encourage people to tell the truth. Otherwise, you, know, you don't need an oath. The purpose of an oath was to curb man's tendency to lie. Otherwise, as I said, there's no, what, what's the need for an oath? If everybody tells the truth all the time, why do you need a guarantee that someone's telling the truth? And that's precisely Christ's point. What Jesus is saying in verse 37 is that a Christian shouldn't have to take an oath. He isn't forbidding you to take an oath. If your authority says uh, uh, we, we deem it necessary for you to take an oath, then take an oath. But you shouldn't have to. When I was sworn in as a jurist, my attitude was, well, if this is what you want, fine. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm not telling the truth because uh, I swore to tell the truth. I'm telling the truth because I'm a Christian and I'm obligated to obey Jesus Christ. But if you insist, I'll take an oath. But my word is fine. I don't need to take an oath on that. And that's, that's our Lord's point. We shouldn't have to take an oath. We should be people of such integrity that our words shouldn't require anything more than a simple yes or a simple no to be believed. That's what Jesus means when he said your yes should be yes and your no should mean no. You shouldn't have to to take an oath to try to convince somebody with, with superlative language that you're telling the truth. You know what James in his, in his book, James chapter 5 verse 12 says essentially the same thing. Let me read it to you. James 5 for those of you who are very familiar with this, you'll, you'll recall this. James 5.12 says, But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with uh, any other oath, but your yes should be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under judgment. Mean what you say and say what you mean. See, if, if you have to swear to convince someone that you are not lying, then something is wrong. Then something's wrong with your credibility. If you have to say such, such words as, I swear I'm telling you the truth, then something's wrong. Or uh, cross my heart and hope to die, something's wrong. Why would you have to say that? Or what I'm telling you is the gospel truth. Or listen, I'm not exaggerating. This is the truth. Why would you have to say you're not exaggerating? Just tell the truth. Or may God strike me dead if I'm not telling you the truth. See, Jesus said anything like that that you feel you have to say, that's of the evil one. That's what he means in verse 37, not just evil, it's of the evil one. Meaning that that's of Satan, and Satan, remember, is the father of lies. Anytime you have to add an expression to guarantee that you're telling the truth indicates that, that you're one who's guilty of lying. Because if you weren't, you wouldn't need that. If people suspected that you had to add a little phrase like that, then it indicates that, that you're not a person who just can say yes and no, and that settles it. So here's the point. The legalistic Pharisees tried to find ways to sidestep being honest and truthful. Citizens of Christ's kingdom are always 
under all circumstances to speak the truth. So to answer the question, can you take a public oath? My response is sure. Sure. You can take a public oath, but you shouldn't have to. shouldn't need to. That shouldn't, whether you take an oath or not, shouldn't uh, uh, change anything as far as your truthfulness. Your word should be so reliable and so trustworthy that you should have enough credibility without having to resort to an oath. And so, so as I said before, Christ isn't teaching that we should uh, refuse to take an oath. I don't think that's what he's saying at all. If some authority requests it of you, then go ahead. Go ahead if you, if you need to, but you shouldn't need to. You shouldn't have to. That isn't what makes you an honest person. So questions that we need to ask ourselves is this. How is your word? How is your word? When you say you'll do something, do you do it? There are some Christians who, who, especially people who can never say no to anything. They're saying yes to this, yes to this, but they're not doing it. That's wrong. That's absolutely wrong. They're not doing it. Do people feel that your word is good enough or do they insist on having it in writing? If they insist on having it in writing and they know you, something may be wrong. Do you have a reputation for dishonesty or for dependability? How committed to truth should you be? Well, citizens of his kingdom should be as truthful as as the king who said, I am the truth. Jesus always spoke the truth. We should be as honest as God who is spoken of in Titus as the God who cannot lie. And the author of scripture whom Jesus said, thy word is truth. And we should be as honest as the psalmist who, and I read this before, Psalm 15, verse 4, in our pastoral prayer, or just before our prayer, listen to this. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. You know what that means? It means that a godly man keeps his word. He swears. He swears, he says, to his own hurt. He keeps his word even if by keeping his word he ends up hurting himself. Meaning, as you want to apply it in any number of ways, it could mean that economically he hurts himself. Because you know what? He doesn't seal the deal because he told the truth. Is this product the best that, that you've ever seen? No, it's not. He will, he will keep his word and be honest, even if it means he doesn't get a sale or ends up hurting him economically. Or you could apply it to in a very valid way, because this is just a broad principle. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. Uh, how about a person who has, who has taken a vow before God and before all the witnesses at their marriage ceremony, for better or for worse, but they get out of the marriage? What about that vow? I always tell couples when I'm counseling them, doing premarital counseling, that, that there's going to be a whole lot of stuff going on that, that day. You're going to have singing, you're going to have usually the lighting of candles, all kinds of things. But the most important thing that's happening on your wedding day is that you're making a vow. You're making a promise for better or for worse, and you better keep that. So all the other things that you're doing are secondary to that. What about that? What about that? You're in a rotten marriage, but you promise for better or worse. He swears to his own hurt, does not change. His word comes before his own welfare. See, once you begin to, to think, what are the consequences if I say this, then you're through. You're through. Because you'll be held hostage to consequences rather than what's right. As someone once said, do what's right and let the chips fall where they may. Applying it to speaking the truth. Speak the truth. Speak it in love. Be honest. And whatever happens, happens. But you be committed to integrity. As I said, once you begin to to have to think, uh, if I say this, it's going to lead to that, 
then you're not going to be behaving in a godly, righteous manner, which is really the point of the Sermon on the Mount. We are to be godly and righteous far beyond the Pharisees who had no righteousness, just pretended to be righteous. We, on the other hand, are committed to truth in the inward man and truth in speaking. So, as we sum it up, there are two things that we need to consider. Number one, if you are a believer, you need to consider, are there any changes I need to make to correct anything associated with my integrity? Do you exaggerate? Make yourself look good? Then you need to stop that. You need to work on that. You need to first be aware of it. I'm exaggerating. It isn't the way it really happened. I just want people to be impressed with me. How about excuses? Are you someone who makes excuses? As I said before, I know people who can talk their way out of, out of anything because they just make excuses. They have an answer for everything, even if they have to falsify stuff. Half-truths. How about falsifying income tax deductions? If you're doing that, you need to stop. Even if you can get away with it, that's not the point at all. Or if you don't get away with it, or if it means that you come clean and tell the, tell the IRS, but you see, he swears to his own hurt and does not change even if the IRS comes after you. How about cheating in school? If you're a student, you've been cheating in school and you've been getting away with it for a long time, but God sees you need to change. If you're really a believer, you'll change. And how about not keeping your promises? I've known Christian leaders who promised their children things and and, uh, didn't think anything of not doing it. That's a horrible thing. You promise something, you need to do it. So that's for a believer. And what about if you're, as I said before, if you're in a, a difficult marriage, you keep that vow. You made that vow. You promised God. You promised your spouse forever. So life is difficult. He swears to his own hurt and does not change. Secondly, if you're not a believer in Christ, then understand that God's word is truth and his word can be and should be believed. So the question is, have you believed the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's, that's the heart of the Bible. Have you believed his word about Jesus Christ who died for sinners? If you know you're a sinner... You're convicted that you're a sinner. Understand that Christ died for sinners. And the moment you repent, turn and forsake your sin and turn to Christ to save you. The Bible says he forgives you of all your sins and he puts on your record his righteousness. Nothing greater than that. But the issue is, do you believe the word that God said about Christ? If you do, then the Bible says that God will save you. If you don't, you'll continue to be lost in your sins. And I I would encourage you, to strongly consider coming to Christ. Let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you for your word to address such a relevant subject, Lord, a subject that seems in our culture so out of date because it's so common to lie, falsify information, give half-truths, excuses, all kinds of things, Lord, that people can say with a straight face, but just not the truth. Help us, Lord, to be distinct, to be different, to go against the grain of society and and do that by, by being men and women of integrity. Because, Lord, that's really, as we look at the Sermon on the Mount, we've seen that's the real major theme of this sermon is that citizens of your kingdom are to be different than those who are secularists and those who are religious hypocrites. So I pray that you'll help us to be aware of, of where, Lord, we we are not totally honest, and to make those changes, to catch ourselves, to make adjustments. And I pray, Lord, for those who are not believers at all, I pray they'll believe the gospel. And I know that's only 
the results of the work of grace in their hearts. But may, may Lord, you work in their lives that uh, you give them the gifts of faith and that they would see Christ as the Bible presents him and see themselves as sinful as the Bible tells us that we all are. And they would come in humble submission to the master, confessing their sins and embracing him as Lord and Savior. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the Lord help us lead lives of integrity so that Jesus will be glorified in all our conversations. You've been listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Thanks for tuning in today for the conclusion of Pastor Steve's three-part message on truthfulness from the Sermon on the Mount. If you'd like to hear the whole message at once, you can order a free audio CD by calling Lakeside at 727-441-1714. Ask for message 4131, The Truth About Truthfulness. That's 727-441-1714. Or listen online to any of our broadcasts on the Message Archive page at versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. We've mentioned having an understanding of the biblical and social context of a scripture passage. Next time on Verse by Verse, that will be especially important as Pastor Steve moves on to the part of Jesus' sermon where he talked about an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.